Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1 starts with, uh, these words, now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zaphim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, uh, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tahu, the son of Zuf, and he was an Ephraimite. Uh, that's important because uh, essentially what that means is that he's from the tribe of Levi, um, and Le- the Levites were the people that God had designated to be uh, the priests. And we'll find out a little later on in this story that that's, that has some real significance um, to Samuel's life. Uh, by the way, the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel is about a guy named Samuel. And this is his beginning. Uh, the son, uh, he was the son of Jeroam the, and uh, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. So already we see he's got a problem. The, the, <laughs> the name of one was Hannah and the name of the other was Penina. Um, Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now we see that Hannah has a significant problem. This man went from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions uh, to Panina, his wife, and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. What he's talking about is uh, annual feast that God had commanded his people to take. And they would all have to journey to Shiloh, which at that time, uh, that's where the main um, tabernacle was. Most believed it was a tabernacle, the same tabernacle that Moses carried around in the wilderness and that they had just kind of set up permanently in Shiloh. Um, it would have been constructed actually sort of like go, like pipe and drape. It's the first portable church. And uh, there's this, this pipe and drape sort of um, courtyard area. And then there's a tent in the middle that's called the holy place and the most holy place. And every time, uh, every year, the, the Israelites were commanded to come to this place. Millions of people gather around this spot and pitch their tents and they offer sacrifices. And God, God is so good. Like God's, God's cool. Like he commanded them to have a feast. This is part of his commands. His command was once a year, I want you to come. I want you to bring some animals and then sacrifice them, like, like kill them and roast them. And then take much of the meat and go eat it. So it's, it, God's not always asking us just to, you know, give up all our fun and go serve the Lord. Um, he actually commanded them to party once a year, just to get together, take the sacrifice. You eat some of it. Like you take, like it's, it's, it, it's almost like you take your tithe, then you go to Ruth's Chris, get a steak with it and eat. You know, and, uh, and I, I just think that's the kind of God that we serve, which by the way is why we spend money on stuff like Mother's Day and Father's Day. Some people are like, why are you spending money and giving stuff away to people? Well, because that's what God does. He, he gives stuff, he's like, come together and then take your tithe and then buy yourself a steak and enjoy it. Like God's not all about making your life miserable and awful. And well, the more awful you feel, the more holy you are. That's not the way that it is. Like he had his people 
people come together, man, and, 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 and eat some meat and, and it's good old paleo diet right there and uh, get, some, get, get, get some wine and enjoy your family, enjoy yourselves. And that's what they did. And so that's what it's talking about. And during that, during that feast, Elkanah honors Hannah by giving her a double portion. Like he, she gets the center cut of the steak, you know, like she gets the, the thick, the three inch thick filet mignon from Whole Foods, all grass fed um, meat. I mean, it's good stuff. And so he, he's, he's honoring her. He's putting her in, in a place in the family, even though she's barren, even though she's not producing children for him, he's still showing her love to her by honoring her at this, at this feast. But also at the feast, <laughs> Uh, there was a, her rival. It's an interesting title, verse 6. Her rival um, also provoked her severely in order to make her miserable. Man, people are mean. <laughs> because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year that when she went to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Panina provoked her. Provoking Panina. That sets her provoker. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Did you catch that? Therefore she wept and did not eat. She had a double portion, but she didn't eat any of it because her heart was so heavy. You can, you can live in, in a certain amount of wealth and not be able to enjoy it uh, when your heart is heavy. Her heart is heavy. She's suffering in silence every year. Then uh, verse 8, Elkanah, her husband, said to her, like a good husband, he's trying to figure this out, Hannah, why do you weep? FYI, guys, don't ask why. Sometimes there is no why. It's just, <laughs> it's true. Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? Hannah doesn't answer. She doesn't speak. That's when you know you're in trouble. When you ask why and you don't get a response. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and praying to the Lord. She wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, if you'll notice me, if you'll see me down here and remember me, do not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will ever come upon his head. That's similar to the Nazarite vow. Verse 12, it happened that as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth and Hannah spoke in her heart, right? She's not speaking out loud. She's speaking in her heart. Only her lips are moving and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. <laughs> I love the Bible. That's awesome. She's at church and she's got too many Bud Lights. And this seems weird, right? It seems a little odd to us because in our context, you don't, most of you didn't didn't come with a lot of Bud Lights. Uh, it's just a little strange. But but when you when you understand the context that they were in, they were feasting, right? So millions of people all around. They are drinking wine. Uh, they are eating. They are celebrating. And occasionally, people would drink a little too much, right? And especially in this day and time, the 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 the, the worship aspects of the Israelites had degenerated to such a level that this was not anything that Eli had not seen before. 
Oh, this is this is interesting. It's just as a side note, it's an interesting little pattern that happens with the people of God. They they seem to be doing well, and then they move to Egypt and they become slaves for 400 years, and then God delivers them and they come into the land that God promised them, and they seem to be doing well, and then they they fall into uh, uh, heresy and rebellion for about 400 years. And then God gets David in there and David helps them establish a kingdom and they seem to be doing well. And then there's that 400 years of the intertestamental period between the last book of the Old Testament and the first one of the new. It's like a, I don't, I don't know about you, but my life tends to go in patterns too. I got like two years where I'm, I'm you know, and then there's a couple. Oh, it's just a certain kind of pattern. It's sometimes helpful to notice that. It had been about 400 years the people of God were, were, were slowly descending into apostasy. And this is seen also by Eli's sons. Some of the stuff they were doing is really sketchy. Uh, but Eli's like, man, like, come on, like, this is, stop drinking. Well, yeah, like, we can't be having the beer in church. And so in a way, Eli's doing a good thing. He's, he's trying to correct behavior. He's trying to make sure people are behaving in the right way around church. And, and it would have been an area about this big, actually, that she would have been wandering around in. And it was pretty common for people to come in and pray. But man, we, we, we can't be drinking. And so, so Eli Eli goes to stop the drinking, to address the behavior. He thought she's drunk, and so, he, and so he says to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul to the Lord. But look, look, look at this verse. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. That's, that's the New King James, but the actual tr uh, original language says a daughter of Belial. And Belial means worthlessness. So the ESV translates it much better. Don't consider your, 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 your maidservant a worthless woman. I think it's so interesting. He's not speaking to her value. He's speaking to her conduct. He's speaking to her behavior. But it's interesting. You can tell what's on her mind by the way that she interprets criticism. You can tell what's on, you can tell what she believes about herself by the way that she interprets criticism. Sometimes when you believe something about yourself, somebody just merely points something out and it's, and it's like a personal attack. Anyway, I'll just keep on going with that. She responds, don't, don't, don't think I'm, because I know that's what you're thinking. Don't think I'm worthless for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief that I've spoken until now. Eli answered and said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you've asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. That's interesting. Then they rose early in the morning, worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to the house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. They were formally introduced. And the Lord remembered her. There's two things there. It's good to be known by man, but to be remembered by the Lord is different. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name. This is so interesting because back in those days, a woman was never allowed to name their kids, but she called his name Samuel, saying, because Samuel means God hears me or God heard me, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. So I want you to help me just announce my sermon title to the person sitting next to you because they probably can't hear me with this microphone. Um, just go ahead and look, Jonathan, just look at the lovely person next to you. Just go ahead and look at the person next to you. You're going to have to scowl a little bit though. Stop smiling. 
You can't, you can't, I, don't, don't be so friendly. Just, just, you know, just, just be a little bit mean for a minute, which, which is good because you're in church and most people expect that. So just go ahead and just, just, just look at them judgingly. Just look as you're, you're, you know, you're judging them. And then just say just a little bit, a little, like, like, like you're at the end of your rope, okay? You've lost all your patience. This is it, you know? So just a little bit of something, you know, just kind of look at them. And, and, and you've got to say these four words, though, that you've got to say them very deliberately. You can't just, not a whole sentence. Each word has a period, okay? So, 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 so this is what you say. First off, because, because that didn't sound very disgusted you guys are too friendly too nice uh okay okay look look at each other just say because, because I, I said, said so yeah that's the title of my sermon today when I was thinking about all the stuff my mom used to say one of the main sayings that she had was because I said so. And she said it just like that. It wasn't, it wasn't because I said so. It was, it was because I said so. There's a period after each one of those words. And, and basically that means that the discussion is over. You know what I mean? That means, that means the discussion is we're not, we're not talking about this. This is not up for debate because I said so. Or it also means that I won the argument and she didn't want to concede. And so she just says, well, because I said so. I don't know about you all, but I grew up in the mid-90s. Does anybody even remember the mid-90s? Anybody remember the mid It was like sloppy, sloppy. Well, we got some 90s. Sloppy was in back in the mid-90s. You remember sloppy, like clothes-wise? Sloppy was in. Like I, I, I used to wear like a double XL t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? And I, I was the same size I am now that I was then. And you, I, I should not be wearing double XL t-shirts. Like, like I always wonder what that line was at my elbow. That was the shoulder hem, you know? It was supposed to be at your shoulder. But it was cool back in the day. So some of you, some of you don't even know. You, uh, some of you others, we'll talk about Teletubbies here in a minute. But, but for the rest of us, like, it was, it was cool. And, 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 and like, I remember, like, you, you didn't lace up your shoes, right? Because it was like you rolled out of bed in the morning. That's what you said was cool, you know? So you didn't lace up your shoes. Instead, like, while you walked, like, your, your heel did a little drag. You remember like you're walking through the mall, your heels kind of doing a little scuff, you know? That drove my mom nuts, you know? We'd be walking along, she'd be like, pick up your feet, you know? I was like, well, but mom, you know, I, I tie your shoes. But mom, I don't want to tie my shoes. Well, but it's not cool to tie, but tie your shoes, you know, because I said so. I remember like in 1990, this is going way back, but there was the, what was really cool for a little, for, for about a minute was the side spike. Remember the side spike? Like your hair on this side would like, like do this, like you slept on it funny all day. And then this side would just comb over and I wanted a side spike. Mom, I want a side spike. And mom's like, you're not getting side spikes, too worldly. I'm like, but I want, I want a side spike. It's cool, you know, Jeremiah has a side spike. Well, Jeremiah doesn't have your parents, does he? You know, but it just came down to because I said, it was one of mom's favorite sayings, and honestly, it was only rivaled, probably it only was rivaled by dad's favorite saying, which is similar, which was because your mom said so. That's, that was his favorite saying. <laughs> it's like, what did mom say? And I kind of got the same issue now, you know, it's like kids are arguing, well, what did, what, what did mom say? What's the rules? I need to know. And uh, anyway, you know, be, be, because I, it's just one of those things that, and, and I, was, I was thinking about how to title this sermon. I really feel like when, when Hannah finally spoke, I feel like there was some power in that. 
And I feel like there's some power in some, in some prayers that we can make, some prayers that we can cry out to God. Uh, that it was because she asks of the Lord that she got Samuel. It was because she cried out to the Lord that she got Samuel, that she received from him. And so for me, I grew up in like a sort of charismatic background. So every time someone preached this sermon, it was all about the prayers, you know? I mean, it was a, this is a passionate prayer sermon because she's moving her mouth and she's not even, like she's kind of charismatic in it. And, uh, and so, so, that's, so, that's, that's, so that's the track that I grew up with. Like this, this story is all about a prayer. And I guess to some extent, it is, but when I started reading the story, what stuck out to me was the context of the prayer. What stuck out to me indeed was the prayer, and, and, and here at the end, we're going to pray over our moms and our grandmoms, and, and I believe in the power of prayer, but what's really stuck out to me was the context of the prayer, that here you have a lady who is actually not really a talker. She, she's pretty quiet. She's pretty silent. Actually, the whole first eight, nine verses of this story, we see Hannah, but we don't hear from Hannah. We see Hannah, uh, and Hannah doesn't have any children. We see Hannah silently suffering. I don't know about any of you, but if, if you've ever si silently suffered, sometimes suffering that's silent is some of the most painful suffering because you can't verbalize it, because nobody can understand what you're going through because you can't put words to it. It's the silent suffering. And as we look at Hannah's situation, you see a silent sufferer. First of all, she is not able to have children. And uh, sociologically, that's a problem because back uh, in, this, in this culture, it was, it was considered to be uh, a woman's greatest achievement was to, is to have kids. And she has the equipment, she just doesn't have the goods. She's not able to produce what society expects of her. I'm sure none of you can relate. I'm sure all of you fit perfectly on magazine covers. And all of you, uh, I'm sure none of you can relate. But, 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 but for Hannah, she is not living up to the expectations of her society. And her society wasn't a large, she didn't live in a city like Austin. She lived in a city with like 40 other people. So everybody knew everybody and everybody celebrated when everybody had a baby. And in fact, the different moms would help nurse different babies. And that's how close they were. And yet she was the one woman who was a freeloader. She was the one woman who was living off of the good graces of her husband and not able to contribute. Oh, somebody's calling. Hold on a second. Let's see if it's Jesus. No, I don't know. Lord, is it even coming from the purse? No, it's like back here somewhere. Dallas. The Lord's calling Dallas. It says, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> jokes, jokes on Dallas. It's fun to be a middle school teacher. <laughs> I'm like hearing this ringing. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Man, I don't even know. Was I, was, was I preaching or what were we doing? Um, man, we, we were talking about the sociological implications, which, which is tough. But, but, but really, I mean, even just being barren, just not being able to have kids, just period, is personally difficult. Uh, it's personally. And then some of you may actually be experiencing that same difficulty here today on Mother's Day. I'm not naive. I, I believe there are some ladies here who, for, for you, Mother's Day is a difficult day to come to church. Because for you, it's, it's, it's a reminder that you're not a mom and you really want to be. And so, I don't know, I, I, I shared this in the first service. I just feel like 
I just feel like you need to be recognized. And we're not going to make you stand up, don't worry. <laughs> or we're not all going to point at you and pray for you. Like, that's not what we're going to do. But you need, like, first of all, I just congratulate you for the guts it takes to come to church on a day that is hard for you. Uh, I, just, I just honor you for that. I'm, I'm impressed at your strength. Um, but also, I want you to know that, that God doesn't just see what's in your hand. He sees what's in your heart. And being a mom, it starts in the heart. And so, and so when you came in today, you probably thought that those, those gifts and stuff weren't for you. But I just want to let you know they are for you. If you in, in fact, this is my challenge to you. It was hard enough for you to come to church, and now pastor's giving you a challenge. All right, here's a challenge. On your way out, just sneak and grab a bracelet and, and, and a chocolate and the flower, whatever, whatever they have. Just sneak and grab one just out of faith. Like what if, what if, what if you just said, this is for faith for next year's Mother's Day? What, what if you just said, this is, this is just, I'm, I'm going to wear this until, <laughs> I'm going to wear this bracelet until. I don't know, because sometimes I, I think we disqualify ourselves before God disqualifies. God sees your heart. And God sees the, what you long for and what you want. And so I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make you stand up. In fact, if you want to send like my kid to get the stuff for you, you can't like just Micah, don't, he'll, he'll keep the chocolate, but he'll get the, he'll get the other stuff to you. Like seriously, like, get your husband to go get it or something like just, just like guy, like whoever's manning that stuff, don't ask questions. Don't look for a paternity test. Like if a lady comes and grabs it, just let her grab it. Like, cause we don't know at what stage of motherhood she's at. And so you might be at that very early stage. It's just in your heart and it hasn't hit your hands yet. But, but, but the silent suffering of that, I, we, we, we had in our earlier service, uh, Veronica and, um, and, and Ricky Vargas, and they've, they've shared their story. And uh, man, for years they were uh, trying, they had their first child and for years they're trying to have a second child and just wasn't happening. And there's a silent suffering that goes along with that. There's, there's disappointments, there's miscarriages, there's, there's uh, trying and trying and trying and, 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 and it's difficult. And Veronica finally asked for prayer from a lot of the ladies. And I remember a lot of ladies gathered around her and prayed for her. And my wife had a vision of her holding a baby boy, but my wife didn't want to tell her about it because well, you don't want to be the guy who gets her hopes up again or the girl, you know, and it's like one more time. It was like some crazy person in church told me this and didn't happen, you know. So Ro was like, really like, oh, I don't know if I should tell her. And I said, well, babe, just wait and see. And so then she, then, then, then she found out she was pregnant a little while later. This is about two years ago because this month is the one year birthday of Benjamin. Um, who was the little baby boy that, that Roe had seen on her hip. And so as soon as she said, okay, I, I'm pregnant, but I'm concerned, don't know how it's going to go. And Roe said, okay, well, it's going to go great. And it's going to be a boy and I've already seen him and he's cute and all that kind of stuff. And, and so hopefully, hopefully they actually wanted to know the gender. I don't know. <laughs> Just kind of spoiled it for them. But, but like, but like God, God does that. God sees what's in your heart. God cares about what's in your heart. And I, 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 I think, I think you need to know that just because it's un, uh, it's because it's silent suffering doesn't mean it's unseen suffering. 
that God sees Hannah, God sees her anguish, God sees her heart, he sees what she longs for, he sees what she desires, he sees, he sees the accusations too. He sees Penina sitting there telling her about how she's worthless and how she's not con contributing to the family and how she's, she's just mooching off of the, off of the like, like he, God sees the gossip about you that you haven't even heard about you. If you knew everything that everybody was saying about you, you wouldn't be quite as hopeful, but, but God sees the whole picture and he knows exactly what you're going through and he knows exactly what it feels like. He knows, uh, Hebrews says, he, he is not somebody who hasn't been touched by the feeling of our infirmity or our suffering. He knows what it is. You might be, you might be a girl today, you might be a guy who's suffering silently. Because a lot of us guys bear the weight, uh, maybe not of having babies, but we bear, we, we bear all kinds of weight. Uh, one, because we were born in a crazy generation that thinks you have to be like Fortune 500 by the time you're 18 or you've failed you know I was like you don't, you don't want to be Lil Tay you know what I'm saying like <laughs> if you don't know who she is you don't need to know uh it's you know nine years old nuts you know <laughs> nutty nine-year-old man it's crazy like you don't have to be the youngest the, the youngest flexor what is this? is that what she says she's the youngest flex. I don't know man but it's like you you always it's a race to who can do what the soonest and sometimes that's a heavy, silent suffering that we feel like we haven't discovered our purpose and figured out what we're doing with our life. It's like, dude, you're 18, chill out, you know? It's all right. Things are going, like, like God sees your silent suffering. He sees the burden that you carry. He sees the paninas in your life. And it's interesting, I think we all, I think we all have paninas. Uh, it may be not actual people, it might be actual people, but sometimes it's just the voice in our head that's constantly telling us. And we see that she is believing this about herself because as soon as Eli tells her, hey, how about you not drink in church? She's like, what are you saying, I'm worthless or something? Like, obviously you hear from, you don't really hear what people say, you hear what you believe first. And then you filter what people say through what you believe to be true about yourself. And she believes that she has this worthlessness. And a lot of that is just because Panina has been going off in her ear, like for years and years and years. And I think many of us, we have a Panina. And luckily we also, oftentimes we also have an Elkanah. I mean, you know, I, I gotta give this guy some props for at least trying to make his wife feel valuable, you know? I mean, good job. Like for, the, for those of you that tell your wives that they're beautiful, I just, high five you. I mean, you, you, you go, you keep doing that. Send loving text messages. I mean, go all out. But the truth is even Elkanah couldn't fix her lack of self-worth because he, 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 he gave her a double portion, but she wouldn't eat it. Why? Because you cannot receive what you don't believe. And this, this might be good for some of you who are walking alongside somebody who, who is questioning their worth and you keep telling them about how worthy they are and they don't believe it. That's because you can't receive what you don't believe. You will not eat from the meal that's put before you if you don't believe you're worthy of it. And so it has to do first and foremost with, with Hannah's own sense of self-belief. What she believes about herself is how she reacts to her husband. And by the way, I mean, just, just, just as a husband who tells his wife that she's beautiful, look, it, it doesn't work. Because she says, well, you have to say that. 
right? This is, this is, anybody else is, oh, you're just being sweet. Well, I mean, I am sweet, so guilty as charged. That's true. But, you know, I mean, but it's, but it's like, because you cannot, you cannot, this is what I found, guys. We cannot add to our lady's value. We can try, and we really ought to. We ought to do everything we can, but at the end of the day, we cannot make her feel one bit more worthy than she started off. Can't do it. And it, he, he puts before her this, this, this stake. And because I think we all have this. We all have these two people, these two things in our life. We have, a, we have a Panina, which is telling us about how we're not worthy. And then we have some real people who really try to do, they really do try to bless us. They try to be good to us. And, and they make us like a Panini. You know, we got a Panina and a Panini, like at the same table. I don't know the the, pin, the pin thing just got me, but you know it's like it's at the same table. We got we got we all got a panini and we got a panina, but we can never enjoy our panini if we're too busy listening to our panina. You know, you know that's true. You know that's good preaching right there. Like you just <laughs> Nathan, Nate, you know that you know what I'm talking about. You, you when 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 panina is constantly in your ear. And you believe, this is the key, what she believed about herself agreed with what Panina said about her. And so she couldn't enjoy the Panini. She couldn't enjoy the Mother's Day. You know, I mean, sure, the chocolates were nice, the flower was nice, the bracelet was nice, but I'm still not a great mom. I'm still not good enough. I'm still not pretty enough. I'm still, you know, like what you believe about yourself. You can get all the chocolates in the world. You get all the, all the stuff, but what you believe about yourself, and that's not true for women. That's true for guys too. What you believe about yourself will override. Panina will always override the panini. And you won't be able to enjoy the panini. The meat, the stuff that the people are, the good stuff that people, the compliments, the stuff that people are putting out there, the love that's all around you, it'll be right in front of you. And you won't be able to really like receive it. Because she's suffering in silence. And, and man, her husband, her husband is trying to reach out to her. He says, why are you crying? Why, how can, how can I help? And this is a beautiful husband. This is awesome. Actually, this is a, this is a really progressive story. I mean, this is, this is pretty unusual. This is the, the book of 1 Samuel. Samuel, one of the greatest prophets uh, in the Old Testament. He was actually the transitional prophet that God chose to move the nation of Israel from a time of judges to a time of kings. He would anoint the first king and the second king, a little guy by the name of David who killed a giant. He was hugely instrumental in, in God's plan for his people. And Samuel starts his story off, not with his miraculous birth, but, but with but with these two unknown characters, Hannah and Elkanah. Who's this Elkanah guy? I mean, did he win an Emmy? Did he, was he signed to the NBA? Who, was he rich? We don't, like, I love the kind of people that God thinks are important. And that's what I think our, our generation misses. Our generation thinks that if we can accomplish him enough at a young enough age, then we'll be important. But what Samuel says is, I know you've heard about me. I know you've seen all the stuff I've done, but let me tell you about my dad, a guy named Elkanah. Oh, really? What did Elkanah do? Oh yeah, this is, this is what he did. Check it out. Verse 21. Now the man, that's the way he words it, the man, 
the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and, and his vow. But Hannah did not go up for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned. This is after Samuel is born. Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Do you understand how bizarre the story is like to, to the ancient Hebrews? Women were not allowed to call the shots. And she's telling her husband, I'm not going right now. Um, me and the kid are going to stay back until he's weaned. It's about four years old. Then we're going to take him to the temple. And Elkanah says, do whatever seems best to you. This is such a strange Middle Eastern relationship, even today. Like even today, we're not talking, you know, 1400 years ago. Like even today, this would be, this would be a strange Middle Eastern relationship. But, but we have ancient Hebrews and we have Hannah. I mean, Hannah like she's silently suffering for the first half of this story and then she just busts out of her shell she's not wearing a bra she, she's not shaving her armpits I've seen I, I've never seen a picture of Hannah but I am pretty sure I've seen Hannah in downtown Austin like I, I just know it <laughs> she is like she's an independent what like this like this is not your silent mousy sort of woman who just says yes to everything like her husband's like all right we're gonna go to the temple she's like no we're not uh i'm sticking around and um i'm going to <laughs> and it's like and then he just says okay do what seems best to you this is such a weird middle eastern ancient middle eastern relationship and Samuel is like, hey, you want to know how God brings up really, really brings out great people into the world? Let me tell you, let me tell you. First of all, he brings people who don't feel like they have any kind of value at all. And she is mousy and she is quiet and she doesn't say boo to anybody and she doesn't even answer her husband because she can't even verbalize what she's going through. And then God does something in her life. And now... She has, Elkanah said, let the word of God be established. The word of God. Yeah, the word that Hannah heard from God. She's got her own word from God. And this is interesting because this, this, this verse here, only let the word of God be established, probably doesn't mean a whole lot to us in the 21st century. But to these guys in the book of Numbers, God had given his rules for making vows. And he specifically talked about if a woman who was married made a vow uh, in verse 10, it's not on the screen, but in ver uh, chapter 30, verse 10 of Numbers, it says that if she, if a married woman vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by an agreement with an oath and her husband heard it and made no response to her or grunted, <laughs> and did not overrule her, then all of her vows shall stand, and every agreement by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband truly made them void on the day he heard them, then whatever proceeded from her lips concerning her vows or concerning the agreement binding her, it shall not stand. Her husband has made them void, and the Lord will release her. Verse 13, every vow and every binding oath to afflict her soul, her husband may confirm or make it void. And what Elkanah is doing here is he is confirming or he is validating the word that God has spoken to her. So here's the thing, guys. We cannot add value to our ladies. 
And ladies, you cannot add value to other ladies. What we can do is validate the word of God over their lives. What, because the truth is, guys, especially guys, we have the power to validate or void it within our homes. And it's not to say that you can, you know, cut off a relationship, the, the, your wife's relationship to God. You can't do that. But, but we have the power to either, to either promote or, or prohibit what God is doing in our homes. Elkanah could have said, you know what? That vow about you giving my boy away, remember that? <laughs> That's crazy. We're not doing that. Like he, he could have, he had every legal right to do that. It had to pass through him. He could have said, uh, you were um, a little bit uh, anxious there and I don't think that's a good idea, you know? But instead, like, like look at the partnership. Look at the partnership of Elkanah and Hannah. That Elkanah doesn't try to override her. Elkanah doesn't try to lead from pushing her aside and getting out in front. It, it, this, this whole deal wasn't Elkanah's idea. It wasn't his prayer. It wasn't his, persistent, it, his persistence. It wasn't his faith. And yet Samuel says, I want you to know about my dad who promoted the vision that God had over my mom's life. I want you to know about the woman who birthed me, yeah, but about the guy who, who empowered her to be everything she was called to be. Because Mother's Day is great, but they, well, we gotta have some Elkanahs <laughs> to promote the word of God over our ladies' lives. I pray God stirs up some, some men who are ready not just to try to add value, but actually to promote the word and to validate the word. To say, you know what? God's speaking to you and that's the best thing God could do. I, I, I just, I need to get out of the way. I need to push my wife into the presence of God. I need to push my the people that I love and care for. The best place for them is that the word of God would be established in their life. That the word of God would rule because this is where value comes from. This is where validation comes from. This is where we find our worthiness is in his word. We find our worth in his word. And whatever, whenever, whenever husbands try to get the focus on them or whenever you, even as a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever, you try to get the focus on you, 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 what you're doing is you're taking the weight of all of that, putting it on your own shoulders and you can't handle that. So what, what I do is I just give it to God. I cannot make my wife feel worthy or pretty or beautiful or enough or smart enough, but God can speak to her value. And I can affirm what God has said. I can echo what heaven has already declared. I can reverberate it. And I can, I can partner with, with her. I can partner with, with, with each other. I think it was, um, I, I can't remember the name of the guy who said, but uh, there's a quote where he said that we, we all don't really need a brilliant mind to speak to us as much as we need a beautiful heart to listen to us. We don't really need a brilliant mind to speak as much as we need a beautiful heart to listen. And Jesus is that beautiful heart. Hannah named her son Samuel because it means God hears me. God sees me where I'm at and God has heard me. And that's where value comes from. Because she's, she's, she's jacked up, she's messed up, she's in anguish. And then the priest comes and talks to her and says, go and peace and may the Lord grant you what you desired. And her whole face changes. 
and she's able to go back to the same table with the same panini and the same panina and she's able to enjoy the meal why why because she has been heard from God God heard her God saw her God was listening to her and when she realized that God had heard her before she even got her son she, 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 she had her value. And this, by the way, is why she wanted a son. That's one of the things that really threw me off about this story. It seems so weird because she prays and she's like, God, oh, if you give me a son, I'll give him right back to you. And I'm like, well, doesn't that kind of take away the purpose of having a son? Like, you know, it's, it's kind of like praying, God, if you give me a Lamborghini, I'll, I'll donate it to City Chapel for Pastor Harry to drive. And I mean, let's... It's just, just, just an idea, just a thought, I don't know. But you know, it's like, God, give me a raise in my job so I can quit tomorrow. I mean, it's just, it's weird, right? Like, give me a son so I can give him back to you. But you know, I mean, it would make, it would make more sense to be like, give me a son and I will like mow the church lawn for 10 years or give me a son and I will do something that doesn't take away what you gave me. Right? It's like, but, but this, this, this is the key though. She wasn't looking for she, uh, her childhood dream of being a mother. She wasn't looking for raising a son. She was looking for value. She said, give me a son to take away my shame. She wasn't looking to be a mom. She was looking to understand her own worth. And that's a prayer Jesus will always answer. God, show me my value. God, take away my shame. Let me know what you think of me. That's a prayer God will always answer. And that's actually just what I want to do today in the closing minutes of this message. I don't really have much of an altar call, except I just want to confirm, validate the word of God over our moms today. And we have several uh, different kind of moms. Number one, we have my mom, who's probably watching online right now. Um, and... Um, I just validate her. I thank God for her. I thank God for all the times that she prayed for me. I remember, I remember I was like eight or nine and she had me by the neck and she had my brother by the neck and, and she's praying for us. You know, God, use them in your kingdom. God, let, 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 let them be ministers for you. I remember specifically, she said, let them never uh, taste a cigarette or, or drink alcohol. My lungs are a lot healthier than yours, so take that uh you know she you know it's like she like so, so she was getting real specific you know with the prayers and and uh uh I remember one time we were driving in the van and she had they mom and dad had heard this story about this 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 guy talking about his mom how his mom uh, went in in the morning to pray for the kids like they just they just get the little kids just gave their hearts to Jesus and she shows up in the morning and and she prays Lord if these kids are ever going to depart from you at some point in their life, just, just take them now, you know, just kill them now. So my parents thought it'd be a good idea to pray that, you know, and I'm like, you know, we're all in the same van, right? I mean, you get this, right? <laughs> but the Lord didn't take us then, so apparently we're still me. I don't know. Uh, but I'm thankful for my parents because they, they always put us in a position to be close to God. They always got us close to God. I can't say that they knew every right thing to do or say, or that they didn't repent to us, you know, but there were many times that, that I had life-changing experiences in church because my parents made sure that they were there and that I was there. And uh, I'm thankful for mom and for the example she's left in 
in, in her entire life, just living throughout, throughout her life. I'm thankful for my wife, Ro, who's not here right now that I know of, but I just honor her for her strength and her um, uh, wisdom, which is why I married her, because she's so wise. And you all are lucky to have uh, such an incredible woman helping to lead uh, this church, uh, because I am like way more empathetic because of her. Uh, she's, she's talked me down several times <laughs> and, uh, for real, for real, she's way more empathetic and her empathy and wisdom is so helpful. Um, I also want to honor first time moms. If you're here today and this is your, your first year of having a baby, um, man, we, we are excited for you. We are excited with you. Uh, we de dedicated some babies a few months ago. So I know some of you are having babies for the first time or have a new baby this this mother's day is extra special for you we celebrate with you um if you're if you're a mom here today and you don't even maybe you didn't even consider yourself you're a mom but you're pregnant uh you have a little life growing inside of you uh we we want to honor you and by the way you are a mom so grab a bracelet get some chocolate no never mind you can't have chocolate get get a flower and and we celebrate with you. This is an exciting time. Uh, the kids are never going to be as quiet as they are right now in your stomach. They're going to get louder and louder and louder. And uh, yeah, we celebrate with you and laugh at you a little bit behind your back because you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Um, and then for the moms, some of you, man, your your soccer moms, you're you're driving from softball field to softball field. You got you got stains all over your shirt to prove it. It's not even from your own sloppiness. It's from little people are clinging onto you. Long after they came out of you, they still keep just hanging. Um, and so we honor you today and we thank you for your contribution. You're wore out and you don't feel like you're doing enough, but you are making a significant difference. Uh, you are creating, you are creating a home that your kids are gonna try to replicate. You're, you're building something. Uh, you feel like you're just surviving, and you are. But in your survival, you are, you're building something. You're making something. Uh, you're producing something. We got moms here today that are homeschool moms, and we want to recognize you and thank you for giving up your careers to input into your kids. And just for being with your kids all day long, we, we pray for you. The Lord will give you strength. I was homeschooled from first grade on. My brother was homeschooled from kindergarten on. My sister from kindergarten. So I, I understand the sacrifice that that is. Uh, but you're doing more than just educating. You're passing on a culture. You're passing on a heart. And then we have moms here today that you send your kids off to school. And you pray every day that they stay safe and that their school, there's no shootings. There's no this crazy world that we live in. And we, we honor you. We thank you for your faith in God, that you trust him to take care of your kids, that your kids would be salt and light in the places that they're at, that God's big enough to transform from the inside. We honor you. For some of you, Mother's Day is especially difficult. You lost your mom this year, last year. You, you're celebrating without a mom's hug. And so, you know, we recognize that. That's, God is near to the brokenhearted. And so he's near to you. We have single moms here today. 
who have no Elkanah. <laughs> but God said that he would be the father to the fatherless, which means he'd be the husband to the single mom. And so he's with you. You are not unlovable because you've never been unloved. But we, we, we speak to your value. We speak to the value that God had when he gave you the kids he gave you and he trusted you. He knew your shoulders were big enough to handle what you're handling. You get to celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day. <laughs> but unfortunately, you also get the weight of that. But Jesus is with you under the weight. And we're with you. Your church is with you. We support you. For some of us, Mother's Day is difficult uh, because our moms were abusive. We didn't have good moms. And so I just recognize that. I think, I think God, God knew what he was doing when he gave you the mom that he gave you. But it doesn't mean that he wanted that abuse to be there. And it doesn't mean that, that it was just. And so we acknowledge the injustice of that. We acknowledge the, the mistakes of others, but God's mercy is bigger than mistakes. For some of us moms here today, your kids are not around. You got an empty nest. And so we grieve with you a little bit, I guess, but also celebrate that, uh, hey, they're on their own, doing their own thing. But for some of you, they're also making serious mistakes. And that's hard. It's hard to watch. It's hard to see your mistakes in them. It's hard to not feel blame because of what, of how you raised them and what, how you acted. But here's the deal. God's grace, if it's big enough to stop consequences in your life, I mean, there are natural consequences, but mercy steps into a situation and what would be a natural consequence is, is reversed many times. And if you've seen that in your own life, can't God do that for your kids? Can't he reverse the natural consequences of your bad decisions? Can't he make up for it? Isn't he a big enough father? And by the way, how far God's brought you might also be a part of the journey that he wants to bring them. And so you've walked the path that they are yet to walk. And you're there to hold their hand and to lead them through it. We want to honor foster parents, foster moms today. You're taking on kids that are not your own, adopted kids in some cases. Uh, you took on their problems that, you know, you, you, had no, you had no hand in, but you've basically committed yourself to helping fix, to helping to heal. And uh, you've even given them your own name in some cases. So we honor you. It's just because you didn't carry a child in your stomach doesn't mean you're not a mom to a child. And some of us here, we honor you because you're like mentors, you're spiritual mentors, you're, you're women. You do, maybe you never carried a baby yourself, but you, you speak into a lot of people. They look up to you and they, they learn from you have a, a mentor heart we need you we need mentors we need people to to step up and to lead people and to mother people 
need a mothering heart within a church because we have a lot of a lot of people that don't know their value so we need a lot of people just to listen and so we thank you we thank every single mom here today father i just pray that you would bless these moms and grandmoms and great grandmothers that are here i pray that they would hear your voice i mean of all the validating that we can do it's nothing is like just hearing your voice and knowing that they are heard knowing that you hear them have your eyes on them. You are focused on them. Help us to sense the value that you place on us. Help us to hear what you speak about us and help us to believe. Maybe we don't feel it, but if you say so, then we believe it. That you are listening. In Jesus' name we